Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have another extraordinary guest. She's a Boston College Law School graduate and the founder of Writing Law Tutors. She has held past positions as counsel of Reed Smith LLP and a special employment law counsel at Procasure Rose LLP. Super excited to have her on the podcast today, Mrs. Amanda Haverstick. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? I'm great. You pronounced my last name correctly, which no one does. But I will correct you that it's Proskauer. Pros- and it's very hard to know how to pronounce it. So once you learn it, though, you'll you'll know it. And it's a big New York City firm. And so it's good for you to know because you're in New York. Yeah, I, I've actually I've actually seen it before for a class we had to do like a mock uh interview for for a job and i actually applied to them to be a uh i think it was um i forget the name of the position but you basically just file papers um so i did it in it i interviewed for them not really um but amanda before we get started can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself sure um let's see i was a lawyer for 20 years and then I stopped in 2016 and I took a couple years off when my daughters were in high school and then during the pandemic I started tutoring and then I started my company and so that's kind of that's a little bit about who I am there other than that I live in a suburb of Philadelphia um, with my husband who is also a lawyer and three daughters so including a law student so well that's wonderful i'm ha- i'm happy to see the family is following the lineage there it's it's pretty thick cuz my dad too so we we got a lot of lawyers <laughs> everyone has to be a lawyer see my family's a little bit the opposite i only have like two or three lawyers so i'm like the first first one to get into the field here but let's go all the way back to the wonderful year of 1991 you were at the prestigious Harvard University. Congratulations on that. I know it was a long time ago, but that's a wonderful Ooh, thing. You went to Harvard and you majored in East Asian studies. And eventually you ended up at Boston Law School two years later in 1993. So what was what went into the decision to go to law school? What was the factors? Why did you go? Oh, I labored over this decision so much that I made myself sick because I could not, well, first of all, I was a paralegal for two years in between. So I thought that would buy me time to decide. And it would also help me understand if I wanted to go to law school. And, um, but I thought I wanted to be a teacher and I really wanted to go get my master's and teach. But then again, I really wanted to be a lawyer. And so I just could not decide and it's kind of embarrassing how I came down to the decision. How'd you do that? But you have to remember that this was 1991 and times were different. And I decided I, you know, what I really wanted to do was stay home someday with my kids and that I was more likely to meet a husband in law school who would allow <laughs> that than a teacher. And that's terrible, but that's the truth. I also thought I would, there would be more potential husbands at law school than at, at teaching, which at the time was a predominantly female uh, industry. I mean, listen, I appreciate the raw honesty, but any any rationale is a good rationale. And and 
you know, as your career went on, I'm sure you did not regret that decision, even if you were just looking for a husband. Well, it's no, but it's sort of funny because now I'm a teacher. So I mean, I'm a tutor and a coach, but it's really a, being a teacher. So I feel I think the other reason was that I thought if I'm going to if I want to someday do both, it's much more likely if I go to law school that I could teach afterwards. But if I'm a teacher, the idea of going back to law school seems prohibitive at some distant future age. So I decided I better do the law school first. Yeah, it, it seems, and we'll get to it a bit later, but the writing law tutors, the founding of it was almost a full circle moment for you. And that's, and that's lovely. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, you know, it looks pretty when it's all said and done, but it's not pretty getting there some days. So, you know. It's all about the journey. I heard to, I, someone said that I, I quote a lot in this podcast but i can never right. attribute it to anyone never i just hear things and then i say it so let's talk about the first year of law school all the way back in 1993 people always say you know I i've said it's traumatic people are like no it's not other people have said other things but how was that experience for you for me it was like going off somewhere it reminded me a little bit of when I had studied abroad in college where you go you're sort of away and you're with this group of people and your universe is just so small I mean you ever you're what happens in law school is your world and you just don't really have it's very hard to have bandwidth for something outside of law school so you kind of just go into this bubble and it's very intense in the fall. It's hard and people are really strung out and overworked and overtired and people tend not to be at their best when they're like that. And all, and you also compete against each other on this curve. So it's, it's very intense, but in the same way that going abroad is, and it can be, Oh my God, you know, I'm in a, I mean, I was in Japan. It was crazy. So it's very, it's like, you make such good friends and you just bond and it's this time in your life where it's just a really special time because the, I think your brain you really have to change the way you look at everything and so that process of having that done to your brain is very uncomfortable but then once at least for me I had my sort of light bulb moment and it would just, it was so wonderful. So the, I, I loved law school. I mean, I love, and first year was probably the best year, but it was intense at the beginning. I won't kid you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, first I want to say, wonderful. You went to Japan. I want to go to Japan one day. I always, I watched the, uh, I watched me and my, me and my brother, we had, we got a brand new TV in, in my living room uh, a, a year ago. And we watched like the 4k videos of like people walking through Tokyo. It looks amazing. And I want to go there one day myself. All um, right. Well, there we go. Put, add it on my bucket list. Um, but can you, can you describe the sort of ways that, that you sort of, I guess, adjusted your brain as well as the life around you, um, sort of dealing with the, the bandwidth, like you said, uh, of law school, the stress and, and all that comes with it. Yes. In retrospect, I am, I can analyze this, but at the time it was not purposeful or planned, but 
and it's, I got to back up a little. I had been in a very bad car accident a year before law school that had, I had, you know, I was in the hospital for a week, broke full broken leg and it was a big deal. And because of that, it was a really hard year and it, you know, it was winter and cold in Boston and icy and I cast and I was trying to work. It was just very, and I was in pain and it, and I couldn't, go running anymore. And I was a runner. So I got really blue and I got overweight. It, the whole thing was bad. So that spring, I sort of was like, okay, I got to take charge of my world and my life. And I really adopted this very militant um, life in terms of exercising and eating and being, getting sleep and being just living very the way that people say that you should do this, that we know, don't do. But I really got into that for no, having nothing to do with law school. It was for my own personal life and sort of recovering and feeling strong again after the accident. And I think in retrospect, because I went into it with a structure and I was so disciplined about my meals and exercising and going to bed on time. And I kept that throughout first year of law school. And I really think that made the difference. Yeah, that that's, that's a that's an honorable story right there. Honestly, amazing, inspiring story. Um, and, and I think what you touched on there, the sort of disciplines that is very important when you get into law school, having that structure in your life. I know for myself, um, I was just at the gym. I love the gym so much, but I only started going my senior year of high school, and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Um, you know, it, it struck it's tough it. though because you can get in cycles, and then you get injured, so then you can't work out. I mean, it's it's a constant sort of having to. But yes, ab- I mean, everyone will agree with you. People who exercise just feel you feel so empowered. You're on top of the world. Yeah, I, 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 and and I've had, and and while I, I didn't break my leg last year, um, um, a bit like yourself, I hurt my back a little bit, and I, I was off from the gym for three months, and it was, it was a tough time. Um, tough time, and your, and your whole mood is bad because you're not getting the endorphins, and but your body misses them, so you're almost in withdrawal from the endorphins. It's a very hard, it's a hard sort of psychological time. It, it absolutely is, but when you get through it. You feel great. You feel amazing. It is so relieving. It is. It is. And the older you get, you realize, okay, we're going to rise up again. But, you know, these things happen all throughout your life and you just for different reasons. It's it's a beautiful uphill battle. But you just you just uh, and see, I'm a philosophy major. So sometimes I get a little I get a little philosophical sometimes. I can't I can't keep it. I can't keep it all all in within me. But Albert Camus, he has the myth of Sisyphus. You keep you keep pushing that rock up the hill, it keeps coming back down. But you just got to keep doing it. You got to make it enjoyable. Um, that, that's how Is I... Is that the point of that story? You need to enjoy pushing up the rock. I never knew what the point of that story was. Uh, that That's what I got out of that. I don't know what Camus was trying to say, but that's... That my... is fascinating. No, I think that's fascinating. There's a, there's, um, a book. It's very short. It's, it's sort of a picture book called Stations which is the same principle about it's all these people on a train and they're all so excited to get to the next station. And then it's sort of, okay. And then they get excited. Okay. For the next station. But then by the time you're at your destination, your life's over. And if you don't enjoy the ride, I mean, you only get one of them. You might as well. Absolutely. Always, always got to put your best front, fo- best foot forward. Give your 110%. 
Well, I think I do not believe that I had this attitude when I was your age. I think this is something that has been recent for me. So, so I love it that you are, you know, buying what I'm spewing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate that. I, I, you know, I, every, everything that has to do with sort of giving your all and, and putting it all out there at any moment in time and anything you do is very, very important to me. Cause I feel like if I don't, it's sort of a waste of time for me. It's like when, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not doing everything I can, then I shouldn't do it at all. But after law school, you get to, I'm going to try it, pro, I can't say pros, it. P, pro, think of Prosser on torts. That's a name you'll learn. Pros, like pros cower. Pros, what words with pros? I don't know. Pro, I think of process server, which I am myself. That's good. Think of process. Pro, yeah. Pro, cor- pros, pros. Pros Coward. There you go. I'm getting a little linguistic lesson here. Pros Coward Rose. I'm going to keep saying that in my head now. Perfect. Pros Coward Rose LLP. You start there in 1996. Can you describe your experience there? Was it great? Was it not great? I, I adored Pros Coward. That was home for me. I loved it. But I have to, I have another sort of embarrassing confession. I'm a little biased because on day two of orientation, when I was a first year associate in September, I I remember I went September 16th, I believe was the day we started. And on the second day I met Matt Haverstick and now I am Amanda Haverstick and I've been ever since. So I was very happy at that time in my life. Well, that that's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, he, he was a first year as well, so we were both just starting out. So it was sort of nice. Yes. Look at that, star-crossed lovers, as they say. It was it was meant to be, wasn't it? Um, I, yeah, I don't know, but but at any rate, it's a really, really great firm in terms of the people. Um, I mean, I don't know today as much, but a lot of the same people are still there, and. I I just felt like it was home and I it, it was a really good experience. I mean, sure, you work a lot and it's stressful, but I it's a good place. So backing up a little bit, um, wh- what did what exactly w- was the kind of law you were doing there? And additionally, why did you decide to do that kind of law? What went into you know deciding this is what I want to do? When I was a paralegal at a big law firm in Boston for two years between college and law school, I did, I was in the corporate law department. I absolutely hated corporate law and thought I could never be a corporate lawyer. The the lawyers were miserable and they worked um, from nine till midnight, seven days a week, practically. And, and it was awful. And they all complained to me because I was just this little paralegal and they would bitch to me. Sorry about it. And um, so then there is a department at that firm that did labor and employment law, which I had never heard of and didn't know what it was. And I started they always look so happy. I was like, why is that the lawyers in that department so happy? Now, really, I don't think it had anything to do with labor employment law. I just thought it was because I think in retrospect, that department at the firm was a service department. The clients would come in for corporate, but then if they ever had a labor employment problem, they would also use the same firm. But 
Um, but at the time I didn't know that because I was 23 or whatever or 22. And so I decided, hmm, maybe I want to be an employment lawyer because they seem so happy. So my decisions were based on things that in really were not valid, but I'm so glad that happened because I was able to know going into law school that I thought I wanted to be labor employment lawyer. And that really set me apart because most law students have no clue what they want to do, which is perfectly fine. But if you do, lawyers will get more excited. Lawyers who do what you want to do will be much more excited about helping you because they feel like you're you swimming in common. And so that really helped me. But um, I did an internship during law school, um, labor uh, at the Massachusetts Commission Against Discrimination. And I took throughout law school, I took labor and employment and ended up being the executive editor of our law review and then and also of this supplement that we did on labor employment. So I, uh, and I had practiced at a Boston firm in the summer before, during law school and done labor employment. All of those things confirmed for me that I loved it and wanted to do it because, and that's a separate, you can ask me why, but so that is how I got into it. And that is what I did at Proskauer. So why did you love it? I'm going to ask you. Because in part, because the lawyers looked happy at that firm. But then once I got into it, it's about people as opposed to companies and money. And it's about the workplace and human beings interacting with each other. There are so many issues that parallel constitutional issues in terms of rights of different demographic groups. And it was a very hot area at the time because the Americans with Disabilities Act had just been passed in 91. And so there was a lot of excitement around that, the whole industry. There was just a lot going on. And it was, it was a fun, it was a very good time for that. Um, and all those things contributed to it. Yeah, I think that's an important point you made. Uh, there, I, I in in previous episodes, I I've talked about it a lot, but you know what what I've seemingly taken away a a lot more times than less is that as much as you know we think of the legal industry as you know companies and corporations and you know fighting in the in the courtroom, uh, it, there's such a big human aspect to it. Uh, how much you could actually help people helps people's lives, improves people's lives. Um, especially in in sort of my experience working in in a DA's office, uh, they they interact with human beings all the time, uh, you know, and a ton of tragedies. Uh, you know, winning a case on behalf of someone who who was a victim of something is is important to those people, and and you take away so much from that, and uh, and the sorts of you know joy that you feel when you when you achieve those things, when you help people's lives. I think it, it kind of gets- yeah, but you know what? I got to be honest with you. I don't. I mean, I was a corporate. I represented the companies and the bad guys, as they say, in discrimination land. But I, it, they weren't bad. They were the HR manager or the the supervisor who's like, I never harassed this person. What are you talking about? Or this never happened. And and then you find out well, that employee was a terrible performer and was late every day, and what and that they made this up, you know, and so it is sort of helping human beings, but it's not helping poor people. So I'm not going to put myself in that box, like, a, you know, people who do government work, because they're really the true heroes. But it's more that the issues, 
it was it's not an issue of okay two companies suing each other over a deal it's it's about a it's about a person and then the decision of well were they treated okay in the workplace by another person Absolutely, absolutely. See, you're clarifying it for me even further, and I love it so much. I'm le I'm learning so much here. Now I'm gonna say it again. Prosk, Proskauer. Did I say it right? All right. Proskauer. Yeah. I had Just to say put, it. The, put the emphasis on the pros. Proskauer. The cower is kind of after, you know. Proskauer Rose. Uh, did you did you work in Manhattan when you were there? Yes, I lived and worked in Manhattan. Oh, how was that? I have to ask. I love I love the big city experience. I was in the city the, over over winter break and I just love New York City so much. I love the big buildings. I have to ask, what was it like going to work every day with, with your with your suit on and your and your briefcase? How, how was that? Well, I didn't carry a briefcase. I probably carried a tote bag <laughs> over my shoulder and I really didn't carry work home because when you live 10 minutes away from work, there's no real point to bring work home. At the time, we didn't have remote access, you understand. So you couldn't do work at home on the computer. You could bring something to read, but it wasn't as much of a work at home thing at the time at all. So you really worked in the office. I didn't I we had I mean, I guess there were people who had briefcases. Sure, I didn't happen to. But it was it was just the norm. My father had done it. I had watched it be done. It was a very formal society at the time. Everyone was in suits. It was that was just the norm. I felt like a big girl. I was in the city going to work. It was cool. It was not it was not bad. That that's what I wanted to hear. That it was really really cool. Because uh, you know, one day I want I want to be like that. I like looking around. It's like wow, I got this yeah. in my hands. You know, it was like it was really it was really neat. I loved it. It was like sort of okay. I'm gonna dress up and go to this thing, and this is like an adult thing. And it was so for me that wasn't you know that wasn't and that was a non-issue really. So after your time at. Cross Cower Rose. There you go. There you just go. don't, don't, you got the first part right, but don't put, just don't even really pronounce yet. Just be like, Proskauer. Pros, like, put, it's not Proskauer. It's just Proskauer. Proskauer. Pros you're gonna, no, you're putting the emphasis on the, you're putting, you're saying Proskauer. I just want you to say Proskauer. Like, pros there's no emphasis on the, uh, at the end at all. I think that you're gonna end up working there. I think we're fading it. <laughs> I have to tell you, because I didn't finish my story. Well, we can finish the story. There's a, a more story about Proskauer, too. Um, but I'll let you ask me. No, do tell. <laughs> do tell now. You, you've opened the so, panel. Yeah, well, my, my daughter is a second-year law student, and she is going to go work there for the summer and may end up there. So that's really fun, because... My husband and I were both working there when when we had her. I mean, it was it's just a lovely full circle thing. So for me, you know, I hope it's a great place because I'm trusting them <laughs> with <laughs> my child, sort of. So after your time there, you moved on to as a senior associate at Morgan Lewis and Bacchius. They're perfect. You got that one spot on. I do I do this a lot in the episodes. I'll, I'll I'll try to I'll try to say all the names of these law firms and I'll see if I get I get very excited when I get it right. 
Um, but, but so, yeah. So the, the thing is, is that I was, I, we moved to Pennsylvania when I was, after I had a, my daughter and I telecommuted starting in 2000 and this was back from Pennsylvania to Proskauer. So they let me work at home, which was unheard of at the time. And then ultimately it just became too much. So I went to Morgan Lewis in Philadelphia because then it was so much closer. And I just thought, I can't do this working from home thing. You know, it's too long. It's too far away. So how was your time there? What was the experience like? Did you love it? Did you hate it? The first year was really hard. It's very hard to be a lateral associate changing firms, or at least I found it just because you're starting all over again. It's almost like, you know how in high school, if you were an A student, then you could kind of mess up a paper. The teacher would still give you an A where (laughs) it's like, or you could just miss class and you're not going to get in trouble because you built up so much goodwill. So it's like starting all over again. I was a sixth year, but I was sort of treated like the new first, you know, I mean, it was just, you have to put in your time and feel comfortable. After the first year, I adored it. It's very different culture. And I, but I really thrived there. I loved it. You know, I really did. I think it's just the firms are very, it was a lot of adjustment culturally and just the whole, the whole way it was at the firm. So so after that point, you then became the senior counsel of the Hershey Company. Mm-hmm. Is that the actual is chocolate like the Hershey Chocolate Company? Oh, yeah. I worked in Hershey, Pennsylvania at the chocolate place. And my little girls thought they told their friends that mommy makes chocolate. But I was a lawyer there. <laughs> <laughs> and and how was that experience? I've been to a Hershey Park before. I had a great time. Don't worry. Um, but how was that? It was great. I really, I mean, I, it was a great experience. I did not like working in Hershey. I, I, in, I was a New York city girl and I was sort of a fish out of water that way, but I loved, and I I loved the, I loved my boss. I loved my colleagues. I mean, it was a very positive experience, but I didn't like the location. And I also missed the cerebral challenges and the writing aspect of being a law firm lawyer. And I miss doing the depositions, not just being the client watching them. I wanted to do them and and be doing the the cases. So I that's why I decided to leave and go back to Proskauer. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why I was because I had special employment law counsel now. But I went back to so what, what I did is I decided I wanted to go back to a law firm. And in choosing, well, should I go back to Morgan or Proskauer? or I could I if I was ever gonna bring Hershey as a client, I could do that at Proskauer potentially, but I couldn't at Morgan at the time because they had a conflict. But now I think Morgan does their work, so I don't know. But at the time, and also Proskauer just it always felt like home. It's sort of where I started. I just felt I just was like, oh, you know, I could just see that being like that making sense. Also, because I had worked remotely for them before, I thought it would be more likely that that would work there. And so that's that story. So I and wait, just going back to the Hershey Company, I have to ask, did you get any special benefits and incentives there? Sort of you can come to Hershey Park whenever. <laughs> um, we got a discount at Hershey Park. Certainly we did. And um there was this company store. I mean, there was a store in our office building that was Hershey. I mean, there was Hershey chocolate everywhere. And I got 
to go on a tour of the Reese's peanut butter factory and eat a Reese's peanut butter cup coming off the line, Oh which my is an goodness. experience. It peanut butter tastes very different after it's congealed for two weeks, even. So that was cool. And, you know, it was just, yeah, there, the, the plant is closed now. The, um, peppermint patty plant in Reading, Pennsylvania, but that we had a case against uh, her. I mean, a case was brought against Hershey, some employee in that plant. And I got to go see all that. And that, those things were really cool. Um, so that was definitely neat. Yeah, I just had to ask that question. I have, I have a bit of a sweet tooth. I don't think I could ever work at the Hershey company because Yeah. I, I, you have I'm to eating decide so disciplined about the chocolate you do. I would be eating so much chocolate, an unbelievable amount, an unbelievable amount, really. Uh, I, I have to ask, though, with, with all these positions and, and all this moving around and, and you know, working these long hours, how did you sort of balance Uh, you know, having your children at home and, and having all this work, what was that sort of balance like? It's really, it's, it's not a balance in terms of calm. It's, you've got intense stress about being a lawyer one way. And then you've got this intense stress of like the physically demanding job of taking care of small children who can't do anything for themselves. So you're constantly physically picking them up doing, they were so different that it was almost as if the two extremes canceled each other out. It's a very unhealthy way to go about life because, of course, you burn in the middle. I mean, it doesn't, but burning the candle at both ends because you just do both to the extreme and you're not, by the time you're like with your kids, you're psyched because you've been working all day. And then by the time you go back to work, you're psyched because you're sick of your kids, right? So it really works out. And for me, it worked out, but I, I think over time it took its tolls and I would never call it balance. I mean, it was just it, sort of a crazy, a crazy dynamic with, you know, a lot of adrenaline, I guess. And 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 that that's an interesting thing you brought up. I, th I think it was a very good point. The sort of the two extremes canceling themselves out. That's a very interesting way to look at it. It's like that. Well, that was sort of the justification, but. at the end of the day, well, then what about me in time? You know, I mean, so I think it was unhealthy, but I've got some, you know, baggage from all my days of doing this. So, but, but yeah, I mean, I think that it being in a big law firm, especially if you do litigation for me, because there's, it's so deadline driven and there's all, you know, it's sort of like sport kind of a little bit. Um, and deals probably are too. I just don't know as much about them, but certainly if, if a deal's going down, you could be working around the clock. There is an adrenaline. You have a feeling that you are doing something very important that has to be done. And that's, that makes you feel needed and very fulfilled. And you, you do get adrenaline and you do extraordinary things because you have to, and it's kind of a high, if that makes sense. Absolutely. No, that, that makes, that makes perfect. I mean, I don't have any children, <laughs> so I, I can't exactly, um, you know, feel the But way the that. work part, the work part was, you know, adrenaline, you get, you just sort of, you get, you get through it. I, I kept up my exercise, which was really important. Um, and I mean, it, but I worked too hard and I was not good to my body. I mean, you just, it's tough, you know? So I think, I think that um, it, it is really hard, but anyway. So those you, you you took a good a good solid six years off. You became a I career. took four. Well, I don't know. I stopped in 2016. Yeah. I mean, five years, I guess I started 
I started tutoring in January 21. Is that five years or six years? I think it's five, but my math could be wrong. I believe that's fine. I'm not good with numbers. It's the gaping hole in my resume. You gotta be people are sensitive about how many years they were out of out. So you gotta make sure err on the side of less. No, I mean it, it's kind of funny in retrospect, but I should do a post about but the gap in my resume. That would probably be a good post. So I just got I gotta figure out how to write about it. I mean, yeah, I'll be the first one to like and comment on that. And I'll be like, I know, I know about this. We talked about this on the podcast. Uh, you became a career consultant at UPenn Law School. Uh, that's an interesting position. Um, so can you talk? I, about- yeah. And it was, it was a very periodic, you know, occasional, like I was, I just did it some work for them. I was not, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I was on their, their staff for a year, but I wasn't, I didn't go in there and I, I just did some projects for them. And mm-hmm. that was just sort of as a nice, I mean, it was sort of nice that I, but that they involved me almost because it was, it's not something long-term that one would do for, but it's something that helped me learn all about a lot of career things that were going on now. And, and just, so that was very helpful for me. Absolutely. And we go to the full circle moment. You found writing law tutors, LLC. Can you talk about the process of founding that specific company what went into it why you decided to do it um because in january in december 2020 you have to remember we were in the throes of the pandemic i had just moved at the time i decided okay i if i got to go back to work i'm going to get my masters now you know 30 years later or whatever and go back and be a teacher and i started studying for tests and learning history and blah, blah, blah. And I just hated it. So I decided I really didn't want to do that, but I had yet to figure out what I was going to do. And I just out of the blue family friend, friend of a friend type thing. I knew of a one L who was struggling in writing and would I ever tutor her? And it was kind of like, I had no idea there was such a thing as a law school tutor. I was a law school tutor. We didn't have those back when I was going to law school. And, but I just started working with her sort of informally and, you know, she paid me some amount, but it was, it was, you know, just a small amount. And it was, it was just the most extraordinary experience. And I just loved it so much that I started, got myself listed on a tutoring site and started tutoring law students. I was tutoring them at everything though, which was probably not um, advisable because I'm certainly not a subject matter in things like evidence or whatever, you know, that I haven't done in however long. But I think that it, I got trained and I founded a company as really for a tax reasons. Um, it's just an LLC. It's just me, but Um, I wanted some structure and it's just for business and, you know, financial reasons it's right to do. Absolutely. That's an interesting point you bring up that it was really just for financial reasons. Um, Because I I think, you know, as much as we see these things from the outside, uh, from the actual uh, inside of why they're happening uh, is very important just as well, because they could inspire others to, you know, take the step and, and do those kinds of things. Um, even if it's even even just like you said, when uh, when you're at Cross Cower and you met your wonderful husband, uh, you know, the rationale of going to law school just to find a husband, um, you know, just those little things, those little decisions, they, they mean a lot uh, to you, probably personally from the outside, you know, 
people may have a, a different view, but I enjoy the story. I love it so much. I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and I'm always for people putting themselves out there. Uh, but I, I always see you very active on LinkedIn. What sorts of, uh, what sorts of content are you putting out there? Well, it's evolved. I started at the very beginning in September of 2021 was the first time I ever posted. And I just started writing tips for one else. And because that those were the group of people that I was tutoring most. And so I felt and I had learned the most about. And um, it's educational content. And then about and then in January of the next year what are we into 2022 i started i started dear 1l and that really took off and i write to i write to 1l's in the, when i write letters to them and i it's just it's a very nurturing type of dealing with the stresses of law school and dealing with just different things that you deal with but also a lot of academic things how to do the exams and how to write and then, but legal writing, just, that was always my thing at work. That was, I was always the brief writer and everyone wanted me to write the briefs. Um, and I liked doing it. Um, it took me too long to do, which they didn't like, but they, they, they liked that I did it. And so I, I just, I started a year later with Dear Legal Writer. So I've got, I've got two series. One is on how to write and how to do legal writing. And then one is for, for law students. Occasionally I still, I'll write to, three L's sometimes in different, different groups. But, um, so that it just took off. I mean, this, I don't really, I don't understand the whole LinkedIn thing. It's been great. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what it just, because it's exploded, it's been really neat, but. Yeah, that, that that's fascinating, honestly, because you have a very large following. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, you, 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 you still don't really know, you know, the ins and outs of it all. Neither do I. I'm still pretty much figuring out. Yeah, I mean, I understand. I understand LinkedIn, but I don't know what what the I just I don't. I mean, it's been extraordinary for my personal life. I think what I am I'm in my business, I'm trying to figure out what I am doing and where I am going and how to leverage it maybe better. And um, but so if that is all a process still figuring out, but I have met the most extraordinary people and, and had doors open for me. I mean, it's been, a, it's just, it's, it's been wonderful in terms of broadening my world and having, it's just fascinating people that I talk to and it, all the time and it's wonderful. So I love it. Uh, absolutely. And, and I have to ask from that, uh, are there any, uh, since starting in 2021, are there any of your favorite experiences that you have either reaching out to people, uh, you know, and teaching them, tutoring them? Do you have any favorite moments that you sort of, you'll never forget? Favorite moments? Um, one of my favorite moments on LinkedIn, you mean, or, or in terms of tutoring, or I guess I can answer anyway, would, I would say, yeah. Too, I know I would have to prepare for that. I can't. Pick one. <laughs> no, that, that's that's no worry. That's no worry. Um, is it is it a is it a newsletter? Are you actually specifically uh, like messaging people based on, you know, the sort of experiences they're, uh, you know, talking about and how they want help? 
I am in the process of starting a newsletter, but I hate newsletters. So that is my problem because I have built up a visceral negativity toward this thing that I now, my business coach tells me I must do because the fact that I do not have an email list is absurd given that I'm coming out with a book. So, and also if I ever want to, yes, I'm writing a book. Well, I'm putting, I put all my posts in a book all organized so that it is chronological and it can be a really good reference tool for the legal writing courses in law school. And there, that does not exist right now, as far as I'm concerned. I've probably read a hundred books on law school and legal and probably another 200 on legal writing, but there it, so I, and, but it's just my post. It's not writing a whole book with, it's just my post, but they're organized very, very, um, it's going to be useful, I think. Well, that is fantastic. You were, you were, you, when the book comes out, you'll be the third person on this podcast with a book released. I actually messed it up a couple episodes. I, I, I told Brad Narstad, who was, who was on the podcast, I said he was the only one. I was wrong. Uh, Dan Cotter also came out with the book. So you'll oh, be, I, see, I know Dan Cotter. That's wonderful. Yeah. I think that. I, I think out of the pandemic came a lot of people doing different interesting things. And I think that one of the things that one might do is write a book. And so people who've said they've always wanted to have maybe done it. I am not someone that always said I wanted to write a book and I'm not, I didn't sit down and start writing a book. I had zero intention to write a book when I started this, I just started posting. Well, th- that's, that's wonderful. Honestly, that the, the, the fact that you never even planned on it and now it's really happening you know life life throws curveballs at you some sometimes you know you got you got to make lemonade out of lemons um but I have to ask from that do you have any of your of favorite books that you've ever read it doesn't have to be about law or anything uh but just just something Amanda Haverstick's book recommendations live on the lawyers in the making podcast do you have any favorites I'm going to disappoint you a little bit because I hate reading. <laughs> so I do not read for pleasure. I could tell you that I probably have read 10 books cover to cover for pleasure. Um, and so I could tell you what those books are, but that is not a good recommendation. I did. Um, I really liked a book by Cal Newport called Deep Work, which I listened to the audio book of the entirety and I thought it was extraordinary but I did not physically read the pages um but that that book I really was was very interesting it was a good book it's a it's a non-fiction that's that's super interesting because just last just two episodes ago Ernie Svensson had actually recommended Cal Newport as well he he brought it to my attention prior to the episode we had a little phone call uh but he he brought it to my attention his podcast uh which is I believe it's also called Deep Work I'm not really sure oh I you know I'm not sure I don't know who that is that you're talking about sorry um oh no it's the Cal Newport his podcast his oh Cal Newport's podcast yes yes oh that's good i didn't know he had a podcast that's neat yeah so so it's interesting his name came up again clearly it's a very good book and a very important podcast and he's doing good things i've i've heard the word deep work a lot before um mm. i i listen yeah it's a, it's a good book it's a it's way too masculine dominated in terms of people they talk about and it's written it's written for men because it 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 doesn't take into account child rearing and doing things that are purposely unproductive Mm -hmm. from which we get incredible value in life that is a big part of my world but 
it is extraordinary for the working part and the thinking and it, yeah, you'll like it. I, I, I will, I will be getting it soon. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I, I take the, I take the book recommendations very, very serious. Um, and I always, I always look to get the book the next, the, the, the first possible day I possibly can. Uh, so here we go. This is, I always, I keep saying it's the new question. It's not, it's here to stay, but what are the sorts of things that you consume, not food, but consume either, you know, on social media or what you read every day? What are the sorts of things that are crossing the transom of your mind on a daily basis? Um, I have, I, even though I don't read for pleasure, I have an extraordinary collection of books. And so depending on what I am doing or what I decide I am writing about that day, I will always be using them for, for, you know, to find things that I know are in there. I just, and that I don't remember what they said. Um, and I do spend a lot of time on LinkedIn and that is, so I do read a lot of posts and, so depending on, I just different people's stories that I like to read about solopreneurs. I like to follow Justin Welch on LinkedIn. I read his newsletter um, and I like to get ideas from people and what other people are doing because I am trying to run a business and learn how to, I mean, I don't know how to run a business. I was a lawyer, so I'm 54 and I, I never run a business. So so I'm trying to learn. So that is that's probably the most of the stuff that is incoming when I'm not working during the day. Yeah, that that's been a very big constant theme over the past couple episodes. Is sort of the business aspect of of the legal industry and the legal field, and how you know just just like yourself, many people you know you you go through your career and you have no I have no idea how to run a business. And of course, why would you? And but it's it's one thing if you're figuring it out when you're thirty, but if you're figuring it out twenty five years later, it's harder. And and so I think just because you haven't you didn't look you know how when you learn something young and then it sticks with you absolutely uh now second to last question here you're always working you're tutoring people you got a family but what would an ideal sunday morning or friday night look for amanda to have all my girls home and have a family dinner and play scrabble and games in front of the fire Oh, Scrabble. Do you have any other board game recommendations? I'm a big board game guy. Acquire. Oh, Acquire. What is that game about? It is about hotel chains merging and acquiring others. And it's a business with stock and it's an old one. And it it it's an old game that is unknown. And I got an old 1970s version of it because it's it's just what I played with as a child with my father. And I love it. It's fun. You, it, you'll like it. It's a little it's a cross between Monopoly and Risk, but it's harder and it's 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 a good game. Yeah, I, I enjoy the games that gets my mind going and, and sort of being able to look at things a sort of different way. I like I like a good challenge. I, I need that in my life. But Scrabble is fun for me with all the words and the, the language and, and that. Yeah, I've, I've never played Scrabble, actually. I'd, I'd like to get into it, though. I need to expand. It, it's very easy to learn and it is fun. It is fun. Yeah, the, the only issue is I got to find people to play it with me. Um, but they're out there. I know they're out there. I'm going to find you, whoever that, whoever those people may be. But Amanda, 
final question here. I do this at the end of every episode. What are your words of wisdom for the aspiring law students, the current law students, and the legal professionals out there in the world? I'm just going to stick with your theme and say, put yourself out there and root for yourself and go do your thing because you got to do it. You've got one life. Beautifully said. Beautifully, beautifully said. Well, that's the podcast. Amanda, thank you so, so much for doing this. You're very welcome. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in. And I will see you in the next one.